Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Janet Atkinson here with you, and we are joined this week by Connie Hayden. She is a founding partner in Hayden and Colbert. They are a law firm based out of Columbia, Missouri, and Connie is very well known and very well respected for her expertise in estate planning, and that's the focus of this week's podcast. And Connie, thanks for taking the time to chat with us. We appreciate it. And estate planning, it's one of those things that we all need to think about, we need to do, but it's also one of the things we definitely don't want to think about and we don't want to do. Correct. Thank you for having me, Janet. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you about this. Yeah, you know, combining lawyers, taxes, and death is not a great start for a conversation, but I think particularly in the farm context, we really need to start early and often having these conversations with uh, our family and with our attorneys and other advisors. And so we can, because it's an ongoing problem and something that we need to tackle. I think oftentimes people do it, put it away, think, well, at least I've got that done. I won't have to talk to a lawyer again. And then they really need to revisit it every so often as their circumstances change and as potentially the laws change as well. When you talk about as the circumstances change, what circumstances do impact uh, maybe work that we've already done on our estate planning? One of the big things that impacts the farm side is that the increase in the value of assets has gone up so dramatically. So both land prices and equipment prices have gone up dramatically in the last 10 or 15 years. So what might not have been a problem from a tax standpoint often is a problem from a tax standpoint. So that can be a change, but also more broadly family dynamics. So as you bring more other people into the operation, whether that's children, grandchildren, others, the dynamics can change very quickly. And I think you need to address those so that everybody knows hopefully at the front end, what the arrangement is and everybody's on board. I often see that in hindsight, we haven't really talked about those arrangements and the understanding of the various parties was different. And so it can cause a lot of problems. What is the first step? I mean, if you haven't even taken the first step to to try and get things in place, should tragedy strike, uh, where do we start to get this process going? So generally, I will tell people to find good people to work with. I will usually work as a team with if they already have an accountant and perhaps a financial advisor. I'm happy to work as a team with them. But really, the one of the integral parts is finding an attorney who kind of knows the business, knows that aspect of it, and making sure that we you've got somebody who can help you with that. And then really, a lot of it is pulling together the information. So it makes me super happy when somebody comes in and they have pulled all the deeds for all the pieces of real estate that they have, because that's very time consuming and just pulling together. This is everything that we own. I mean, that's kind of my starting point is I want to know what you have. And then we can start talking about what you want to do with it, who makes various decisions. I mean, those are the big starting points, but if, if the clients can pull together what they have, we can then have that if they don't have figured out what they want to do with it and who makes decisions and you know how various people are involved that we can figure out the conversation and often do i a lot of times my clients don't have that figured out and it's an ongoing conversation to figure out how to arrange that but pulling together just what they have is really helpful so whenever you're talking about pulling together all that you have you you mentioned the deeds the the land deeds home ownership deeds real estate deeds all that above but also mm-hmm. equipment um, it's going to get complicated. I imagine whenever you get into livestock, especially breeding program. Sure. 
That's right. And people will say, do I need a complete list of all the equipment I have? No, I don't have to have that. But it's, you know, if you have a depreciation schedule, just bring that to me or, um, you know, a general idea of how many cows you have and how many calves and and how those are owned. I mean, that's the problem that we often run into. And actually, I'm trying trying a case on Monday over this very issue is we've got a lot, particularly in farming, a lot of non-titled assets that are very valuable. Equipment, most of that is not titled. All the livestock is not titled. Grain and storage often is not distinctly titled or, you know, crops in the ground. And so making sure that you have a very clear, laid out arrangement of how that is owned. So maybe you run cattle with your son and you and your son know that, and you know that you divide the expenses 50-50 and when the calves are sold, they're 50, you know, all those sorts of arrangements. But if one of those people is removed from the picture, oftentimes you've got somebody else coming in that their understanding was different. We don't have any titling because those assets aren't titled. And so we have to figure out from records how that was done. And it's often very complicated and can involve lengthy and expensive litigation between the family members. And you bring up a good point. You know, sometimes uh, if it's a family that they've got kids and, you know, somebody in the family is back on the farm, but somebody in the family is not back on the farm, uh, sometimes there might be a very, very hard conversation to have when it comes down to uh, somebody working on the farm and how much value they have already invested in, whereas somebody off the farm may not have had any physical labor invested into the property, but they feel equal rights. Right. And this is a very important conversation that I try to have with my clients is let's talk not just about how are we going to get this moved over to the next generation, but let's talk about the arrangement as it currently is. What value has been contributed by the people who are on the on what I would call the on farm heirs. And, you know, I think that that is sort of shifting. So my older clients, I think like when I say older, you know, in their 80s tend to not (laughs) value that labor very, very highly. But as that has, you know, my clients in their sixties and seventies, maybe because they've been burned a little bit, they, they tend to get, when I start having that conversation, they really get it. I mean, I've sat across the table numerous times from farmers who are in their sixties and have been back on the farm, you know, their whole lives and their, their siblings went off to the city and had jobs and had 401ks and all that sort of thing. And the conversation was always very vague in that, oh, well, we're going to we're going to take care of you. But then it's really heartbreaking when they're already at retirement age and they realize, oh, well, taking care of us just meant that they're going to divide it equally. And now I've got to buy my siblings out at appreciated values on this real estate that I've been involved in and and built the operation. And it it doesn't feel very good to be feeling like you're paying your siblings for what you helped to build and what you really put the value into. So I think those those are very important conversations about what, you know, I, I hear people say fair versus equal. That's a complicated conversation because it, um, you know, I think that many people want to treat their kids equally, but that is often not the best way to approach the estate planning. And particularly where we've got kids who are involved in the operation, we really have to think about what have they provided in terms of value that would not have been there had they not been involved in the operation. Also, from the perspective of, you know, somebody loses a loved one, and I've heard about this situation, whether it was 
for all I know, I could have seen this on TV. I couldn't tell you for sure. But the situation where uh, somebody loses a loved one and then the the widow or the widower, uh, after a few years, finds love again. And but then that new partner really kind of muddies the water whenever it comes to the children that were there from the beginning. So I see this a lot where we've got, I mean, I will say it's usually um, men who will (laughs) not always, but oftentimes men who will find somebody else after their spouse has passed away that they um, are going to get, you know, have a second marriage. We talk a lot about prenuptial agreements. Sometimes they will do that and sometimes they won't. Um, You know, I want people to think very carefully about the fact that it may not just be that new spouse that's involved in that decision-making and how things get divided and distributed and all those sorts of things after you're gone, it could be their children or their grandchildren or who knows who's going to have, or perhaps you pass away and they've got a new spouse. I mean, there's lots of different things to factor in, but you, that is a very, uh, that situation, there's a lot of different problems that can happen and and often do happen. I mean, people have, this is not news to anybody. They've seen their neighbors go through it where they go and, you know, they have a second marriage and all of a sudden the the children of the new spouse end up with everything and the kids who have been there on the operation and, you know, watch their parents build it for 40 years. You know, they're, they're completely cut out. So you have to be approach that very carefully and it's best to have that conversation before you get married and figure out how you're going to arrange that either through a prenuptial agreement or a trust or some other arrangement where you have protected those assets that you've spent your whole life building and accumulating to leave onto your children and make sure that those actually will get to them. And can also survive maybe somebody going through declining health as well. Absolutely. And that's the other problem is that oftentimes as they, as the, that, parent declines in health and perhaps, you know, becomes slightly or mostly incapacitated. They, the people who are caring for them can have an influence on what they do. And we see that a lot as people decline, they, you know, maybe that out of good motives or bad, maybe that new spouse or those, the kid, children of the new spouse take them and get thing titling changed, estate planning changed. You have to be really careful about that. It's really terrifying whenever you think about some and not everybody does, but we do know that there are people out there with ulterior motives and how can we best protect our family? How can we best protect our homes and uh, prepare our grandkids, of course, and get them in the best situation that they might have? Uh, We talked about as far as getting started, you said, you know, have all your ducks in a row, have the information you need, uh, contact a lawyer. Is there a way to connect with an estate lawyer, you yourself, you're based out of Columbia. Is there a way that I can uh, appropriately research and find somebody who maybe I can build a relationship and and, uh, go through the process with? Sure. And I think do your research online before you meet with people, know whether they um, have a focus in estate planning, particularly, and maybe even in um, agricultural estate planning. There's, There's actually not that many of us out there, although there is a huge need for it. And then, you know, I have clients who interview me and that's, I'm fine with that. You know, come in, we'll have a conversation. I'm not going to charge you for that conversation. And we'll talk about whether I can meet your needs or or somebody else is going to be a better fit. But, you know, it's, here's, unfortunately, we often see that people, you know, it's going to be a hard process. It's a lot of things we don't want to think about. And there's hard questions to be answered and hard things to contemplate, but sticking your head in the sand does not 
resolve the issue and often makes it a lot worse when you're gone. And I, you know, I have people all the time tell me, well, I'm going to be dead. It's not my problem, but you know, you are setting up a situation where your kids may not speak to each other for the rest of their lives. If you don't address this problem head on. And, you know, I, if it comes from the parents and the parents have said, even if they don't like it, the parents have said, this is the way I want it. Um, and they've told the kids what to expect, it uh, it goes much, much better. You know, I had a client pass away recently and I mean, it was a complicated situation and he had, he has, he was divorced from his first spouse. He had a spouse that, um, you know, well, he, he wasn't actually married to this, this person that he'd been living with for a long period of time. And then he had one child involved in the operation and one who wasn't involved in the operation. And his, his estate plan was pretty, uh, favored the, the child who was involved in the operation. I had every anticipation of that going very badly, but I will say that, you know, he told his girlfriend, this is what you're going to get. She knew exactly what she was going to get. That's what she, that's what he had set up in the plan. And the, the children knew how it had been arranged. So he had really done the hard work of explaining it to them before he passed away. And that it, went much, much more smoothly than I would have anticipated going into it. But it was, I think, mostly because he had addressed that with them beforehand and had the hard conversations. Rip the Band-Aid off, so to speak. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And what we mentioned earlier, uh, coming in, of course, to the Biden administration, if folks were wondering about any tax uh, changes that might take place, where are we right now in the whole uh, <clears throat> tax situation. Yeah. So, so really nothing changed. There was a lot of concern that both the estate tax law would change and potentially the, uh, particularly the step up in capital gains, the, the basis in capital gains tax would change. Neither of those two changed. Uh, I, you know, I don't, there's always some rumblings that maybe something else will happen, but I don't really hear a lot of groundswell for that. But the, the thing that they do, that people do need to be aware of is under the Trump administration, the estate tax exemption doubled. It was $5 million increasing by inflation. They doubled it to $10 million increasing by inflation. So this year, each person can pass on approximately $12.92 million without paying estate taxes on it. And so it's you know about $26 million a couple, which is a large number. Uh, but at in order to make the budget office happy, they put a sunset clause on it. So at the end of 2025, beginning of 2026, that actually drops back to that $5 million increasing by inflation. So for many of our clients who have a large amount of farmland or equipment, that could be potentially problematic if it cuts back in half. So um, we're watching it. I don't know what will happen. We have a presidential election in the meantime, but it could have a very dramatic uh, impact on a lot of our farm clients. And is did, did you say that was January 1st of 25 or the end of 25? End of 25, January 1st of 2026. So we at least get to get through the election cycle and then it's going to be the whole conversation in 25, I'm betting. Right. And, and I, you know, I don't know how that I think it's way too early to know how that election is going to go, but it, it it will probably have a big impact on what happens with that number. All right. Well, Connie, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Is there any last words of advice? Uh, and I hopefully we'll get the chance to chat again, because I'm pretty sure there's a whole number of things that we'll both think of after we wrap this up that we could have talked about. Uh, but any last words of advice you'd like to pass along? I would say, as you said, it's rip the Band-Aid off, start early, start, start often having these conversations with your family, get your family involved in the conversations. And, 
hopefully you can avoid a lot of the problems that you see with uh, not having adequate estate planning in place. Absolutely. Well, Connie, if folks wanted to reach out to you guys, how could they track you down? So they can go to our website. It's www.showmelaw, S-H-O-W-M-E-L-A-W.com. Um, and you'll find, you can reach out to us from there or our phone number is 573-442-3535. All right. Talking with Connie Hayden. She's a founding partner with Hayden and Colbert based out of Columbia, Missouri, joining us here for this week's podcast. Of course, that's Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau.